Definitely. I couldn't have put it better myself. So that will actually do it for this week's show. Had a couple guests in here just to chit-chat. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Got the two Jakes in here. And, of of course, uh, as usual, if you have any requests for me, don't hesitate to send it to me, AsianWave101 at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts on today's news, don't hesitate to send it my way. Same email address, AsianWave101 at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. Don't forget, the show does have a podcast, so if you want to catch up on any missed broadcast go to citr.ca check out show and programming and look for the asian wave 101 link to the feed burner where you can subscribe in whichever way you feel is comfortable to the podcast and i will update it every week for your listening pleasure to end us off i have a song by gem hong kong diva someday i'll fly talking about how she's gotten so hurt before by relationships but she is actually retreating into herself but one day she's going to break out of that spread her wings and fly away free of all the restraints and all the terror and all the heartbreak of before so that's going to play us out thank you once again arts report coming up next and that will do it for this week's asian wave 101 the first broadcast from our brand new station which looks again looks amazing by the way so until next time i will broadcast to you again from this new space until next time gem someday i'll fly and this has been asian wave 101 on citr on citr 101.9 fm in vancouver on unceded musqueam territory take care everyone
we guarantee that you will be able to make a balloon poodle within the first day. Here at the UBC Ant Club, we just like to talk about ants and compare ant farms. Uh, it's really cool. Paperclip Club is all about, well, paperclips mostly. At Blah Club, you can blah blah, blah 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 blah. Explosions. There's only one club worth joining at UBC, and that's CITR 101.9 FM. We got free tickets to shows, whirly pops, professional help in all types of audio engineering, passes to festivals, crazy parties, live band swag, all types of crazy people. Our programming manager rides a motorcycle. There's freestyle rapping, Nardwar, the human serviette, the vinyl and record libraries, Discorder magazine, free studio recording, and it sure beats the hell out of Paperclip Club, which is a thing that I just made up because I work at CITR. So come check us out on the top floor of the Student Union building. We got all types of crazy shit for you to do. Or check us out online at www.citr.ca. Either you've been troubled, you've been broke, you've been hungry, no job, no money. The one you love has deserted you. That makes you blue. Got the blues? Just want to hear some blues? Tune in every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 5 for Code Blue, right here on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver, www.citr.ca, Code Blue. Here's how he feels about it. Blues ain't number the man. Good man feeling bad, no how. That's all that is. afternoon it is wednesday july 1st and you are tuned into the arts report happy canada day everyone happy canada day jacob is here in studio as is andy um and and we are in our first live broadcast from um from our very new studio in the sub exciting stuff you, of course, are tuned into CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, and we are broadcasting to you live from unceded uh, Musqueam territories out in beautiful UBC's Point Grey campus. And we have got a good show for you today. Uh, Jacob's going to tell us a little bit about a show called The Happy Show at the Museum of Vancouver. Um, we've got a, a pre-recorded um, interview with a filmmaker, a television maker, Matthew Roberts, is coming up. And um, a little bit of music, or well, a little bit of information about Bard on the Beach. I went and saw Love's Labor's Lost. We're going to talk about that, and we've uh, we've even got some music on the show this week for you. Got the whole package for you today. I know. How how are you guys feeling about being in this brand new studio? I'm just super excited. It's just it's really got a nice contemporary look to it. Just to you know complement the new spaceship of a sub that we have. So it's a it's it's a completely different setup, but um, it's new and it's exciting. What about you? Yeah, it's been a while since I've even been in the studio. I've 
it's been like two weeks since I've seen you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. yeah. So well, this is super exciting for me. And you're behind the boards today for um, maybe the second time. Yeah, for the second time. So you were, I heard you guys last week. You were on yeah, the yeah, I was on the boards. Together. Yeah, and these are completely brand new boards, so I'm not going to go anywhere near them today. But all right. <laughs> Well, it's it's learning experience for all of us. I haven't really, oops, whoa, whoa. I haven't <laughs> I haven't jumped in on these boards yet um, yet either. So uh, it's going to be a really good show. So um, and thank you guys both for coming in on on the national holiday. Oh no, of course. Um, so Jacob, you you were out and about this past week. What did you see? So um, I think on Saturday, yeah, I think it was last Saturday. I had the chance to go see the Happy Show which is an exhibit that is ongoing right now at the Museum of Vancouver, which is located in Vanier Park. Uh, so that's actually close to Bar on the Beach, which you will be talking a little bit about after. So basically, The Happy Show, it's really an exhibit which explores happiness and what happiness is as a mental state, as an emotional state, through various artistic media. It is not simply an art show with paintings and four-walled rooms with, you know, the, t- the classic fluorescent exit signs hanging in de- designated corners. Instead, it's more of an... Uh, immersive experience, which requires the audience's full participation. So really, the happy show is hinged on interaction, provoking gallery goers to feel and interpret the installations of graphic design, painting, and contemporary sculptures. Through these very vibrant color palettes and you know these eye-catching designs, the audience is really pulled into this journey of self-discovery, at the end of which, hopefully, you come out with a better understanding of what makes you truly happy. Or I guess at the very least, you'll come away with a feeling of satisfaction and insp- and you come away feeling inspired by the very aesthetic of the art and the message of positivity that lies within. The message being, be happy and be proactive about it. If you've got something to do, get it done today. And you'll just live a life that's much more happy. I, I think my mom went to the show and she was telling me about it. Um, but can you give us, uh, paint us a picture of, of what it looks like to go in there? Because it I'm seeing, I'm picturing bright colors and... Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So this is kind of a, it's a very contemporary, very cutting edge, very off the wall, very unorthodox. And so what it is, it's a multi-room exhibit. So every single room is a bit of a different shape and a bit of a different size. And so before I get into that, let's actually talk a little bit about the guy, the legend, the myth who uh, set this up. So the man goes by the name of Stefan... Zagmeister, and this is um, an artist with an Austrian background, and he is currently based out of New York. He is a graphic designer by trade, and he has worked in the music industry for several decades now, designing album covers and various promo reels for artists such as Lou Reed and the Rolling Stones. Actually, at the entrance to the exhibit, there's a quote on the wall uh, saying something to the effect of, I have designed covers for many artists that you have undoubtedly heard of, but I have also designed covers for many of whom you have not heard of. And... uh, I think there was a little kind of bio about uh, Mr. Zagmeister on the wall there too, and it talked about how a few years ago he actually came to the conclusion that he had grown almost a little too stagnant in his work and in his business and in his art, and although he was happy with the quality of the product he was producing, as a creative, I suppose he felt like he needed a bit of a challenge, something new, something fresh, something you know challenging to push the envelope a little bit. So how did he challenge himself? And so what he actually did was he started researching happiness, and he kind of I guess, wanted to go on this quest to figure out what makes him truly happy. And in this kind of funny way, he came up with this exhibit, which is all about happiness. And this is the way in which he kind of fulfilled his creativity. 
And so basically getting back to the original question, which I believe you were wondering what this sort of exhibit actually looks like. So as I was saying, it's a multi-room exhibit with every room a different shape and a different size. And Mr. Zagmeister has really utilized the space to create his own unique world. For example, one room is lit brightly with giant graphics of facts. Facts about what makes some people happier than others. So for example, I remember there was a map and the map was just of the world, and every single continent, or I can't remember if continent or country, I think it was continents, every continent had um, sort of like a graphic pattern. For example, North America was very dotted, and then you saw Asia, for the most part, was very sparsely dotted, and the dots were very far apart. And so on the legend, it says that the countries or the continents, whatever it was, um, that are the most dotted are the happiest, and the ones that are like that have the fewest dots within the boundaries are actually the least happy. And so what I found a little interesting was that um, Mr. Zagmeister, I guess, was trying to convey that North America is the happiest continent in the world, which, I mean, maybe it is. I'm not sure if you can really quantify happiness and see whether on average people here are happier than other places of the world. That may be a little far-fetched. But I also found it funny how places like Russia were kind of deemed the least happy. So there might have been a little bit of Western bias there. But regardless, it kind of it was this, this very thought-provoking exhibit. Do, do you know what he used to try and, like, what metrics he used? No, I, no, I actually don't know what he used. I can't even imagine what he would do. Would he survey, you know, the entire population of a country? I feel like that's a little far-fetched. So I'm not sure exactly how he got to that. But regardless, it was still very thought-provoking. And the setup, it was the, these graphics were very vibrant colors, you know, these very powerful yellows contrasted with these kind of bee-like black and yellow patterns. And so it was very, very aesthetically pleasing. And so not only were the colors kind of very powerful, um, some rooms were very small in size, but they also had incredible objects within them. For example, there was this one room that was kind of a little smaller than all the other ones, but it had gumball machines that lined the walls extending all the way to the ceilings. And these gumball machines were exactly like the ones you'd see at, uh, mm-hmm. what was that called, uh, Blockbuster. Back in the day, you know, right at the checkout where you'd pay for your uh, VHS, shout out VHS, <laughs> when you'd uh, kind of take out a movie or whatever. And then I remember as a kid, I'd always ask my mom for like a quarter or you something quarter, to, get a, yeah. to, get a, to get a gumball. But yeah, so the only difference here is that these are giant gumball machines stretching all the way from the floor all the way to the ceiling. And so in this particular room, what they had um, as a setup was 10 gumball machines, numbered 1 to 10, you know, in you know, numerical order. And what it said, the sign said, please help yourself to one gumball. And so naturally I went and took a gumball. But what's interesting is that automatically I found myself taking a gumball from the one that's labeled number 10, so the one that's on the opposite end of the room. And if you look at the actual the tubing, because, I mean, the gumball machine is like see-through, right? So you can actually see how many each gumball machine, how many gumballs are in every single gumball machine. I've said, I've said gumball so many times right now the audience is probably very confused. But anyway, um, basically, if you take a look at it, number 10 had by far the most gumballs taken out of it. And so I guess what the, the point of this um, little installation would have been would be to show that people have this kind of innate satisfaction in taking the most or having the best of something and that our society has gone to a point that's very almost I guess narcissistic and you always try to get the best that you can possibly get when you and you kind of focus on the end goal rather than on just appreciating what you can have 
And so all the gumballs were the same, all the machines were the same, but for some reason, everyone always went to number 10. And even when I was there, there were a couple of other people there, including my girlfriend, and she actually took one from the 10th one as well. So I just thought that was a little funny. Really interesting. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's just kind of talking a little bit about the spatial setup. Now, you, see, you strike me as a, as a pretty happy guy. <laughs> I guess you could... I like to think that, yeah. <laughs> um, w did you find yourself happier after seeing this happiness exhibit? Actually, I did. I actually skipped out of the exhibit all the way through the parking lot to the car. I'm not sure why. I think, um, like I said in, uh, earlier on, you come away from this, if you maybe you don't really come away with this like profound knowledge of what happiness is, but... It's just a very aesthetically pleasing environment to be in. Mm. And I got a free gumball, so that kind of that, <laughs> that helped out a little bit. But it was just a it was just a nice little show. So something to see if you if you feel like you need a happiness, pick me up. Um, exactly. You can check out the Vancouver um, Vancouver Museum, the Happy Show by Stefan Zagmeister. Yeah, definitely check it out. I highly recommend it. And I believe students get free admission on weekends. I may oh. I may or may not be mistaken i know i got in for free but i don't know if that's because she saw the happy show the lady at the front desk and she was happy and so she just let me in for free but hopefully students are getting for free yeah, yeah you want your cashiers to see the happy show before, before they before they start their shift yeah exactly yeah mm, good to know um well another uh well thank you for telling us about that you you have a happiness with you that is kind of uh contagious right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i got really happy talking about the happy show i could tell the, the way that you you had a lot of animation um i thought that was really good thank you thanks for having me guys oh of course um now next up the polaris music prize the long list has been announced the polaris prize is um in canada one of uh, one of the music prizes, there's a big purse attached to it, and every year, um, the idea with the Polaris Music Prize is that it's um, supposed to be entirely removed from commercial success or anything like that. Um, and so, a couple of highlights from um, from this record. There's always with uh, their breakout. Always, they're uh, an exciting pop band. Now, Caribou made it on the list. B. A. Johnson, who is um, from Hamilton, Ontario, and is kind of like a sludge folk rocker. Um, you know, um, I, I'd i be surprised if he makes the shortlist, but, you know, it's good. definitely go check out B.A. Johnson. Um, Drake's on it, Buffy St. Marie, Metz, Colin Stetson, and Sarah Neufeld, who are, I think they're married, and he plays the saxophone, a giant baritone saxophone, and she plays the violin, and they both uh, have played with um, Arcade Fire and, and different bands, okay. um, previous winners. And they they have a really cool album, and they performed, well, they perform and they write music together, which is especially cool. One, also one record to make the list is called Native North American Volume 1. And what's kind of cool about this record is that it is the first time that a curated collection um, or a collection of various artists, ha uh, various artists have made the list. And Native North American Volume 1 is a collection of um, Native music, um, kind of folk, rock and roll. And there's tons of awesome uh, Canadian and American First Nations um, rock and roll bands from the 70s that mm. never really 
became super popular. And um, so perhaps Native North American Volume 1 will win the Polaris Prize for Album of the Year in Canada. Um, from that record, uh, we have um, a band in a song called uh, Sikamute, which I, I've been trying to look it up, and it either means People of the Ice or Come Hear Us Play. Um, depending on the context and, and where you're searching. They're from the Inuit and this, or um, they are Inuit, and this song is from 1979. Here is Sikamuit. Matthew Roberts is the creator of a new series, Fabulous, which is being taped in Vancouver and will be shown on Out TV. The show follows the first male gay couple to move on to a naval military base in the United States. Um, earlier this year, arts, uh, arts Report contributors Akira and Sophie sat down with Matthew to talk about the show. This is Sophia Neworth and Akira Shu here with Matthew Roberts, creator and star of the new comedy series Fabulous, which will be premiering on Out TV. So explain about the show Fabulous to us. <laughs> the, so, the show Fabulous is based on two main characters, David, the role that I play, and Mark, um, who plays my husband. And what has happened, it takes place just after DOMA has been repealed by the Supreme Court of the United States. And they're the first two openly gay couples that move on to a naval base in Norfolk, Virginia. 
Uh, Norfolk, Virginia is the head of the Atlantic Fleet Command for the United States Naval. And it's the largest port for the U.S. Navy. And uh, they have a daughter called um, Cindy, who's 16 years old, that was actually brought up by David's mother, who's uh, an alcoholic and drug addict. She's functioning. <laughs> and she's quite funny. That role's going to be played by Linda Waters, uh, who's an amazing actress. And we deal with uh, homosexuality, we deal with drug addictions, uh, we deal with sex addiction. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of shows don't deal with that because it's been such a taboo subject. Mm -hmm. um, but we thought, you know, since we're going to bring up the homosexuality in the military, why not bring up everything else that goes with it too, right? Absolutely, really pushing the envelope. Yeah. Um, what kind of plot twists can we expect from Fabulous? Well, David had to give up his uh, role as being a female impersonator. Uh, he runs a nightclub called Fabulous. And uh, in order to marry Mark and move on to base, so he had to give up a part of his personality. But he's slowly getting back into that. So he dresses and drag at the house, and then he goes out and buys dresses at the supermarket. His nemesis is uh, the commander's wife. Is played by uh, uh, Robin Bradley, who is an amazing actress. Her and I get along very well. And um, we battle back and forth because she's got to be prim and proper and everything fully military. And uh, we just go at it. I mean, we don't even have to say anything when we're actually on set. We just give each other looks, and it's just funny as hell. We deal with that. Um, then we deal, when it gets later on down the road, that um, Sarah's actually questioning herself as well and the relationship between her and her husband. So you get that aspect. And then Cindy gets a boyfriend, and then we deal with, you know, raising a teenager. And, you know, I'm, I play David, who's actually the role, basically the mother. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's just a lot of slapstick. Um, and we deal with the discrimination on base and what you know military personnel go through. So um, why did you choose to make the show a comedy and not something more Well, <laughs> I knew that it would be more well-received as a comedy than it actually would be as straight in your faces as what occurred. Mm -hmm. um, if we deal with more of a comedy, it's more of accepting and then being portrayed as a victim. Mm -hmm. You never want to be portrayed as a victim because that gives you know, them the power over you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that to be shown. Um, when did you join the Naval Forces and for how long were you serving? I joined in, let's see, let's take that back. I, it was in high school. I was, took my SATs when I was a sophomore which is completely unheard of. And um, I got such a high grades, the Naval Intelligence Force came to my school and my counselor took me out of class and they offered me a position. So that was when I was 16. Very young. Very young. They wanted somebody that could infiltrate as a student in overseas operations. And um, they said that I was perfect for it. Fantastic. Um, um, after that, how long were you 
and the uh, all together, close to four years. And how much of the writing would you say in the events in your show are true to events in your time in the Navy? A lot of them are going to be true events that happened. And characters as well, are those yes. two different people? Yes. Um, I'm going to be bringing in somebody, my actual affair that I had when I was in the military, that's going to be brought up. And it was a, a Marine who was also my roommate. And um, he was having some issues as well. Are you still in contact with him at all? Um, he was my first, and I wanted to stay in contact with him. I really did. But they made it impossible. They, the military, made it impossible for me. Mm. How did the military find out about your affair and about your sexuality? Uh, I actually got tired of lying, and I went up to my chief warrant officer and said, you know, this is what's going on. I can't, I can't lie anymore. I can't do it. It's too hard. And uh, to put on a face of being not true to who I am is just not the kind of person I am. Although that I was headed towards the CIA, because that was where I was going after my enlistment. And, um, yeah, it's, it was... They said that I was either going to go for in for a court-martial um, because of the relationships I've had, or I could just leave. And I would not have any benefits whatsoever. So they took away all my medical benefits. They took away my VA loans. They took away my GI bills. Um, and then, <laughs> to top it all off, uh, they sent a letter on my discharge papers to my mother. And on top of it, it said that your son's a faggot. So they infiltrated your personal life, life along with your career. Correct. Oh, my goodness. They completely destroyed me. Have Since DOMA, have they had any efforts at all to apologize no. or acknowledge your... No, they have not. Um, to my knowledge, the U.S. government has never apologized to any serviceman or a woman that's been discharged because of homosexuality. Did you experience any sort of support at all? In my Actually, my commanding officer didn't care because I have an, an exemplary military record. I had no problems whatsoever with anybody or anything. And he says, he doesn't understand it. I, he, he told me, you, you did such a great job I don't understand why they would do this to you. And um, him and the people that I worked with in the office, they said the same thing. They said, we don't have any problems with you either. You do your job, you go home, you don't cause any problems at the office, you don't bring your personal life in. I mean, what's the big deal? And he told them, you know, you took away the power from them to be able to blackmail you because there's we had to deal with... Um, when you're dealing in the intelligence force, it's, uh, it's a very sensitive issue about, you know, possible things that other agents and agencies can blackmail you for for information. So I took that power away from them. So they couldn't use that against me. And so there's, they said there's no absolute, no reason why you sh they should have done this to you. Absolutely not. Um. 
Yes, sorry, I'm taking that in. That's in, that's incredible. My mother was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and she got the letter. Oh my God, I thought, because I wasn't out to my family yet. And uh, she got the letter in the mail, and it was just crazy. Uh, I went to a lawyer because of what they did, and because they sent it to the U.S. mail. And um, they got the lawyer got a message from JAG Corps, which is basically the legal division of the U.S. military. Uh, they said that I was unable to sue them because of a torch. Um, a law back in 1974 that said the U.S. military cannot be sued whatsoever for any personal reasons. And it's still intact today. It's still intact today. They cannot be held responsible for any actions. So how are you hoping that Fabulous will influence the LGBT community in the military now to be more open with their sexuality while they are working in the services? I want to show them that they're able to be who they are and they shouldn't be afraid of showing you know, their own personalities and what they can bring to the table just because they're gay. I mean, it doesn't give anybody any right to do that to anybody. And uh, to come together... And that has slowly been happening, that there's um, support groups for people that have been discharged because of their homosexuality from the military. And to take and to empower them is what I really want to do. It's like, take, you can do this. You can make a change. The only person that can change it is you. And that's what we're trying to do with Fabulous. Um, So... What is the primary message you would like to express with Fabulous? I, although I guess you kind of <laughs> answered that. Um, yeah, the, 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 main, the main, main thing is total empowerment of your own life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't be afraid to show who you are. Because mm-hmm. nobody has the right to take your own personality, your own identity away from you. Mm-hmm. And how do you think that message will project to the audience and their own views, people who not, are, are not part of the LGBT community, towards people in the military? It's, in the U.S., it's slowly becoming more accepted mm-hmm. and uh, because of the ruling from the Supreme Court. And the only place that I've ever met ambiguity against homosexuality um, is the Deep South. And uh, there are still um, Bible beaters... They say it's like, you know, it's against God's will and blah, 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 blah. And of course, you know, they don't really read through the entire Bible. They just take experts out of the entire bottle to show this is what we believe in. Oh, that's nice. But if you're a true Christian, then you really should know that you can't judge anybody in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's not your place to do that. Do you have a direct audience that you want to focus on with the show? Uh, the direct audience would be straight-up military personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the age groups, uh, the 20 to 40, was specific age groups uh, because those are the ones that are actually going into the military and the ones that are currently in the military. Mm-hmm. And we would also like to challenge the President of the United States to make a formal apology to every single person that was discharged because of that reason and um, if he doesn't he's a coward would you say creating or writing fabulous has helped 
you cope with your past? Yeah, I've been still dealing with it because certain parts of my family still want nothing to do with me because of what happened. And I thought that was crazy because I took the discharge because I didn't want my family to be brought into that entire mess. I gave up my entire career for what I believed in, and I shouldn't be penalized for that. So these characters for you in writing the plot, it's been very therapeutic for you into dealing with these situations? Yes. Uh, putting it in a, in a comedy way, yeah, it, it does. It makes me laugh at it, really. I mean, I, I've got over the anger part. I really have. And uh, it's taken me years to get over that because the way that they did it was just... And then them telling me that I can't sue, I had no legal right to sue them, it's just... It's like, how can you tell that, say that to somebody? It's, it's their constitutional right to be who they are, right? And for you to take away my constitutional right, I mean, I, you should be penalized for something. There wasn't even an investigation. Nothing. Do you think you'll be pushing for any kind of compensation from the U.S. government at all, along with an apology or recognition? I want my benefits back. Yeah. I did the time. I fought for my country, I bled for my country, I even killed for my country. And for them to take away my God-given right? No. It's just not right. And through comedy, do you think it'll help take away some of the people who went through the same thing you did and their anger? I think so. Um, to show them that they're not alone, to give them some relief, to make a connection with somebody to understand what that person's been going through, to show them that we understand what they're going through. Um, how do you think that the environment, like the military environment now, even after DOMA, do you think it's still oppressive deeply towards the LGBT community and that why people might have a hard time expressing their sexuality? I would say yes, especially in the US. Um, the US is so far behind everybody else. Um, because you have these die-hard military people that's been in for years, for decades, as commanding officers, they don't want anything to do with it. They believe that you're a weakness, that you're going to rape somebody in a foxhole somewhere. I mean, they, stuff that, this stuff really still happens. You know, uh, They throw blanket parties. They beat men up. They beat women up. I've seen it happen. It's not pretty. And you have to stand there and watch this and because you're afraid for your own life. Murders happen. They hide that. And because the people get beaten to death by their own squadrons. Because you've got meatheads that believe that, you know, you're gonna rape them in the shower or you're gonna try to turn them into gay men or gay women, it's like, it's, why would we even try? <laughs> it's too much fucking effort. <laughs> There's no use. It's like, why would we go after somebody that's straight? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what, there's, there's no use. It's not going to happen. And they use their own fear, and they take it out on somebody else. And so with your show influencing people in the LGBT community to be more open while they're serving the military, mm -hmm. do you think that that will hopefully one day 
having an overriding of people who are open with who they are in terms of who they're interested in, that that discrimination will subside? Uh, that is my biggest hope. Mm -hmm. It is. Uh, because if they, if the majority of men and women that are gay in the military, and there are a lot of them, believe me, a lot more than people think there are, if they empowered themselves and showed who they were, they're not going to discharge all of them. There's no way. There wouldn't be a military. I mean, there's thousands of gay men and women in the military. They just hide it very well. Because they feel they have to. Because they feel they have to. And if they didn't, there would there'd be no discrimination. They couldn't. And that's what I'm hoping. That was writer and star Matthew Roberts, creator of the new series Fabulous that will be premiering on Out TV. We are reporting from Arts Report at CITR 11.9. Scandal is coming to Vancouver. Now Theatre, in collaboration with Chimera Theatre Collective, present the comedy event of the summer. Guaranteed to shock, scintillate, and make you hot and bothered. Complete with gossip, intertwining relationships, ringing smartphones, and sexy yoga moves. The School for Scandal brings Richard Sheridan's comedy of manners for unmannerly people into the 21st century. So come out to CBC Studios from June 28th to July 5th for Scandalously Good Time. For showtimes and ticket information, find us at Facebook under School for Scandal 2015 or contact us at schoolforscandal15 at gmail.com. Vancouver is once again rated the world's most boring city. I repeat, the world's most boring city. You literally can't do anything here except pay for overpriced drinks and food and potentially enjoy some Vancouver is known you actually don't to enjoy, be dull, but you're pretending to boring, enjoy it so that you lay in with a bunch of people pathetic, you don't care about. Absolutely drab, soulless, I don't know what else to say. You suck, Vancouver. You su-su-su-su. Oh. Oh, no. Well, at least we have Discorder. Pick up a fresh edition of Discorder magazine at your local venues and record stores. We have the latest news on venues, concert reviews, cultural events, and more. This month features articles on Stefana Fertilla, Softus, Tim the Mute, Levitation Fest Vancouver, and Music Waste. Special thanks goes out to this month's sponsors, including Mint Records, The Rio Theatre, Rickshaw, Vinyl Records, Live Van, and AMS Events. yourself as an artist, entertainer, or storyteller? Do you want to be the next Leonardo DiCaprio or Christopher Nolan? Well, the UBC Players Club would like to work with you. The Players Club is an ambitious amateur theatre group and the perfect place to get involved in theatre or gain more experience as an actor, director, designer, producer, or anything and everything else theatre related. Our motto, Theatre on Your Own Terms, means the club is entirely student-run and formed around the ambitions of its members. Find us on Facebook or at ubcplayersclub.com. Welcome back to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. We are broadcasting to you live from unceded Musqueam territory out 
in beautiful Point Grey, and um, you're tuned in to the Arts Report. My name is Jake. We're here with um, with Andy and Jacob. Hello. 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 And um, you guys are participating in our historic very first Arts Report from our brand new studio in the new Student Nest. <laughs> the Arts Report premiere. And so how does it feel? Yeah, I guess that we went over this. At the yeah, top of the <laughs> yeah, it's top really of good the though. Top of the hour. It's That's just good. so fresh. It's just so no. bright. It is. Yeah, yeah. we we've got huge windows. We didn't used to be able to see outdoors at all. We were we had a window that faced a brick wall. Yeah, like you said, it was a cave. <laughs> it was a cave. Yeah. Um, so now a good cave, but it was a cave. It was it was a good cave, <laughs> and now we've just got to, you know, make this new studio home. Yeah. Would you guys, I've got a question for both of you. All right. Um, would you guys let Dan Mangan throw a party at your house? I'm not sure if I'd let him throw it at my house, but I'd definitely get one. Of, I'd try to convince one of my friends to. Um, you you would want to go to a Dan Mangan. Yeah, house party. House party. Yeah. yeah. Andy, how about you? The first rule of parties is you never host a party. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Well, um, Dan Mannion, the bearded, gravelly-voiced Vancouver singer-songwriter, uh, he put out a request on his record label, Matic Records, um, well, through them on their website, to create a network of houses across Canada that they can throw house parties in. And, and he says this, he says, At Matic, we're not stuck on the traditional ideas of having bands, or of how bands can have a career. Um, and so what they're doing is they're looking for houses. They say the ideal is a house that can fit 50 people um, and they'll charge $20 a piece. And, um, and you know, they'll probably give you the costs back or whatever associated with throwing this party. Um, but they're trying to have house parties. That's really neat. And so you could be there. But I can't tell. I can't tell if this is like... Because if you have a concert at, say, the Orpheum or mm-hmm. whatever, you've got to pay the Orpheum. Like, you got to rent that space, nice. and it costs yeah. a lot. Of, is he just trying to, like, get all these free concerts? Just circumvent the uh, renting <laughs> process? Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? But then again, then he's only getting uh, money from, what is it, 50 people, you said? Yeah. Whereas, as opposed to the Orpheum seats, how many people? Nah, that's a good point, too. Yeah. So, kind of balances out if but anything i still think that, that he'd make infinitely more at the orpheum not only though the real danger is not only that you're bringing you know um like dan mangan and company into your home is that <laughs> you're, wel- you're welcoming <laughs> it to dan mangan fans, fans into your home so <laughs> and i don't know how i feel about that although it, it's not so it's not his band's label it's matic records and matic records i think he it's it's part of the arts and crafts umbrella and um, currently the only... Uh, and Arts and Crafts is where Dan Mangan signed. Mm-hmm. He started up Matic, which is like a little, you know, subsidiary of it. And currently the only band signed to it is Astral Swans. And so we've got a song from Astral Swans who could be featured uh, at your house soon. They might have some shows. Um, the so it's Their LP earlier this year was called All My Favorite Singers Are Willie Nelson. And the song is called The Beginning of the End. Now, it's worth pointing out that the video for the song depicts several adorable children just destroying a house, (laughs) breaking the furniture. And they managed to do this in a really adorable way. But even the 
homeowner, presumably the homeowner, uh, the one adult in the video is is dead and covered in blood. But it's it's still really adorable with the music and with these kids, and everyone seems really happy and stuff. So here's Astral Swans with the beginning of the end. This could be what your house party ends up looking like. Astral Swans with the beginning of the end. Now, we are at the beginning of the end of our program for today. Um, but before we go, I wanted to talk about um, about Bard on the Beach. Okay. Have you, have you guys been to the Bard on the Beach? I've been several times. I haven't actually made it out this year yet, but I'm very... I think King Lear is on this year. Am I? Oh, I love King Lear. Yeah, so I definitely want to go see the uh, interpretation there. But yeah, no, I haven't made it out yet, but I want to go later on. When is it running until? Um, it is running until June, September. So you've got some time. We've got some time. Until September 26th. Okay. Um, but I I went to a show this year. I went to Love's Labor's Lost. Um, and it's actually, it's the same cast as King Lear. Okay. Um, so each, there's two sets of cast members and... Um, they do one in the small tent, one in the big tent, and they alternate nights. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you want to be part of Bard on the Beach, you've got to learn two whole shows. It's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, but Love's Labor, so Andy, you're a, are, um, an English literature student. 
That's right. Have you read Love's Labor's Lost? I have not read Love's La- uh, Love's Labor Lost. No. Well, I I hadn't um, read it or or seen it or anything before the show either. But it's um, two fun facts. One is that it's the only play Shakespeare invented from scratch. So it's not based on traditional stories or storylines, although it, it draws from elements from it. And it's also not a history, uh, strictly speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, having said that, it, it's based in the kingdom of Navarre. Um, and the kingdom of Navarre once actually did exist. And I could be pronouncing it wrong. But it was a kingdom in Spain, um, well, in what is now Spain, and it um, parts of it became, um, you know, uh, amalgamated with France. Parts of it became, uh, oh yeah, let's see here. The southern part became um, officially part of Spain in 1521, and the rest merged in uh, with France. So, um, so that's kind of bit of a history lesson for you folks out there. Yeah, the so the aesthetic though that they went with was 1920s Chicago jazz. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, oh, okay, that's that's good. Which was kind of exciting. The story is the king, um, or there is a king um, in this turn in this version. He's a 1920s mob boss, sort of. He runs a an underground speakeasy, you could say. Um, he and he controls kind of the south side of the Chicago. Um, but what he does is he decides to close down his speakeasy and give up all vices, including booze and women, uh, to turn his club into a scholarly retreat for three years, um, which is exciting. Um, and of course, totally fails because he falls in love with someone and he's made this vow to (laughs) cast away women and booze and everything. And, you know, of course he... He doesn't make it very far into the, th- the yeah. three years. Um, it's a it's a pretty simple story. The princess he falls in love with is the daughter of a neighboring crime boss who um, owes him a little bit of a debt from a a gambling um, party. I think is what they call them, gambling parties. Um, the story is symmetrical, so symmetrical story. So the the king falls in love with this princess. The king has two friends. The princess has two friends. They all fall in love with each other. But they have to pretend like they're not in love because they've all all these guys have made this pact to swear off women and, and booze for three years. And women aren't even allowed into the party. So they have to stay outside in a tent. Um, there are, of course, some comic characters. Don Armato, who's a visiting uh, kind of a goofy, uh, you know, like a, a goofy Don who is there. He's very very italian very kind of cartoon godfather but um very kind of like kind of in a cheap comical way mm-hmm. like he he doesn't inspire fear necessarily but he's very um he thinks highly of himself kind of you know like like a buffoon um and he of course falls in love with jacquinetta who is a flapper like a 20s right. flapper but a, a klutz and she has this laugh like do you do you remember the show the nanny no, no. It's before your time. Before our time. Oh, the nanny. Well, there was this show once on television called The Nanny, and Fran Drescher, I think her name was. She would laugh, kind of like a, sounded like a goat, like bleeding, sort of. Like, <laughs> I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, well, the so she's sort of the she she and the Don, of course, fall in love, and they're both this kind of train wreck of, of of 
comedy and and then there's the band slash the bouncers and 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 cronies and stuff they're called the worthies um there's dull is the name of the bouncer who's the tough guy he doesn't speak very many words and he's offset by holofinus who's the kind of loquacious pianist who reads tons of books and and he can talk forever and and has a very amazing vocabulary and then dull kind of just looks at him and has no idea what's going on um, so it was really funny. It was, it was really cool. It started, you, it was cool because, um, you enter and there's no curtain. You enter and you're in the speakeasy. So they're there, maybe they come out half an hour before it starts and they're just singing jazz songs, um, 1920s jazz songs. And that music is, um, is happening throughout the play like it it starts you enter this jazz club sort of and they're all like swinging and dancing and before the play even starts you just hear these familiar songs and then throughout the play too of course they switch to shakespearean Mm -hmm. text and they they start the play and throughout the play they'll sing songs that you'll recognize like ain't misbehaving or you know like all these kind of classic classic jazz songs Let's see what they have. Um, the music director was, uh, his name's Ben Elliott. And basically his, what he's saying is that if New Orleans is where jazz was born, Chicago and New York are where it had its adolescence. So you get sort of like Irving Berlin, Blue Skies, Fat Swaller, Ain't Misbehaving, Cole Porter, um, Let's Do It, Let's Fall in Love, and all these songs like sprinkled throughout the play. Mm-hmm. Really cool costumes and set. Um, Navarre is the name of the kingdom Um, in this time it was a speakeasy but it was hidden underneath a navy and army store and the letters were faded from navy and army so it actually spelt Navarre like navy from A the V E from Mm -hmm. uh, or Uh, V Y and that was a pretty cool little touch that they did Um, and I want to mention a couple characters who were standouts Jay Hindle played the king, he was um, very good. Um, uh, Josh Epstein was, you know, one of the, one of, the, well, both of the little cronies of the king were were pretty funny. Um, but Daniel Doheny, he played, he was in Bart on the Beach two years ago, and I think he came right out of Langara Studio Fifty Eight, um, and w- he was in Twelfth Night and Hamlet two mm-hmm. years ago. And just fresh out of Langara acting school. So it was really cool to see that. Um, also, there was playing um, Moth, the assistant to Don Armado, was someone named um, Lily Baudouin. And she, um, she's she been uh, working, acting in plays since she was seven years old. And um, she, I, she looked really young. Um, I don't know how old she is. But she's also someone from Langara. So a lot of really cool talent coming out of out of Langaria's Langaria's Studio Fifty Eight, so that was that was Love's Labor Lost. Well, you have me sold on that, so I'll definitely make sure to go check that out and check out the other wonderful shows going on at Bardell and Beach right now. It was good. It, I will say about it though, it you didn't come out of it like you would, you know, a King Lear or something where it's just such awesome something grandiose. Yeah, and where with such rich metaphors and stuff too, like mm-hmm. it. King Lear is a really good play. Um, and you also don't come out of it with the same kind of um, like like Twelfth Night or Midsummer's Night Dream where everything just fits together so perfectly and so well that 
each step of the way, you know, like it, it's perfect. The, this Shakespeare play, it, it felt a little bit simpler, but um, but still really enjoyable. Great set mm. and aesthetic and um, and the music was was good, too. Sounds like a really cool interpretation like that Chicago spin on it. That's cool. Yeah. And it's done in the, in the original text as well, right? It is, although they did change it for, they made it Chicago style. Uh-huh. Yeah, they made it, so they mm-hmm. did change it around. Um, now, we are out of time for the Arts Report this Wednesday, um, 1st of July. Now, we do have our first technical difficulties of the new studio, I think, because uh, Sharing Science is up next, and I think that we don't have today's, is that true? It's, it's true, we, we don't. <laughs> we, we don't have today's show, so... So, to, there there isn't one that says current events, is there? Uh, current events in the in the sharing science folder. No, there isn't. Okay, and so this is just a horrible tragedy. Um, the July first show, they sent the MP3, but it wasn't an MP3. It was a it was a text file. <laughs> um, so I think it was the notes for the show. Um, and so in, so Sharing Science is a wonderful new show. They're really, really good. And maybe we'll play one of their older shows. Sure, yeah. Um, so w- Sharing Science is a new show where um, science students from different faculties, be it biology, engineering, um, medicine, and et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, they come together to talk about their each, uh, well, the different parts of any particular topic that relate to their field and what sharing science show do we have up uh, for you now we're gonna play their first episode it's about beer the science of beer fitting for this canada 